this morning we're going to do things a little different. <clears throat> Normally, when you come here, you'd have the worship, you'd have the announcements. We'd go into a book of the Bible, and we'd go from the beginning to the end, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today we're not going to do that. We have something special to do today. But before I get into that, uh, it's, the service is going to be in two parts. The first part, something special. The second part, something special just for you. I am going to not put this second part out over the internet because I want to address just you guys in here. Now, anyone who takes an honest look at the world will say that it is messed up, especially in the last seven days. I was just reading through some news articles, and there's unrest in Taiwan. I don't know if you saw this, but China decided to fly over eight bombers and four fighters over Taiwan's airspace in the last seven days. They didn't do that before the last seven days, but they've done it. Uh, the border of Guatemala, I don't know if you saw the pictures of tens of thousands of Guatemalans coming to the border of uh, Honduras to try to get through to Mexico because they believe they have been told they have 100 days to get to the United States. And if you've seen the pictures, it's a throng. It is a mob that's coming across there, and they're coming up to San Diego. Uh, just to let you know, not San Diego, but also Texas and Arizona and New Mexico. They're on their way. Also in Russia, did you see what happened in Russia? Uh, there are nearly 3,400 arrests yesterday, and the protesters were in the tens of thousands demanding that Alexei Navalny and his wife be released from prison. He is the opposition leader that allegedly was poisoned by Putin's hench henchmen. And he's the one that's saying Putin needs to go. Huge riots over there. And then back home a little bit, I don't know if you saw this in the last seven days, the state of Illinois, it's culturally responsive teaching and leading standards that's up for ratification in the General Assembly on February 16th. And this is where Illinois is about to turn its entire K-12 system into a leftist indoctrination camp. Illinois is literally about to mandate that every one of its teachers adopt progressive political orthodoxy and impart an ideology to students. And whoever doesn't will lose their license. It goes on to say... It's lit literally written into the standards. Teachers have to be willing to endorse the idea that America is systematically racist. Teachers will have to be willing to affirm gender identities of any of their students and to affirm the very idea that gender is complex and fluid, meaning that there are many more than two gender identities. They have to be willing to lead their students in political leftist protests and lobbying. They are encouraged to consider grading their students not on their performance on ordinary knowledge, but on their social justice activism. If teachers don't do these things, the new standards make it very easy for any district that would want to force a teacher into therapy to help them eliminate their whiteness. That's in Illinois. Now, the world is changing. It's not changing for the better. Uh, we see what is taking place. This doesn't even mention what they're going to do with the abortions. And gasoline prices are probably going to go over $5 a gallon. And churches are being bullied into shutting down. Uh, now, it's appropriate to ask the question, Lord, what's going on? 
what is taking place here? The world seems to be getting more broke, not just more woke. You see what that is happening in, inside of our country and elsewhere. Many of the actions will lead, many of these actions will lead to loss of life as well as sorrow, depression, and despair. It's not that things are looking up. Things are starting to, on the bell curve to go down. And this is why the good news, the gospel, is so important. Because it offers hope to people. You know, the suicide rate went up when the churches closed because people didn't feel they had a personal connection. They couldn't touch. They couldn't hug. They couldn't interact. And doing so over a uh, computer screen is not quite the same thing. And this is where we have our hope base. Because for the last year I've been telling you, uh, you know, this is just par for the course. This is what's going to happen, especially as we get closer to the end times. And, and Lord willing, next week I'm going to give you a little bit of an update of what I think is happening and where we're going and what the powers that be are dictating needs to take place because, after all, they don't want to let a good crisis go to waste, and so they're going to implement several things, and I've been studying up on that. Just want to let you know that's coming next week, and after that, we will be going back into a book of the Bible. After all, that's why we're here, is to learn God's Word so that we might press it into our lives and live properly, and that's why we need to know what's going on in the world around us. We're not to sequester or like ostriches, put our heads into the sand and just go blah, 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 hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. And so Jesus, he is the one that will eventually end the craziness in this world. But it does have to get bad before he comes back and does this. Now he promises to save us from all the evil and calamity and provide for us eternal life with joy and peace. That's, that's our eternal hope. Uh, Titus 2.13, while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. And if we trust him to be the guardian of our souls, we may still suffer in this life, but in the life that is to come, there will be nothing but contentment and comfort. And so that's what we're pointing for. This life is pretty much a wash. It's not that we give up on it. God told us through Jesus and the apostles, we're to occupy We're to carry on business. We're to go to one city and another, Lord willing, and conduct that business. And if we do so, we do so for the glory of God. We don't do it for ourselves. And that's the life of the Christian. Deny self, live for God. When we get to heaven, he rewards us for doing so. And all that peace and bliss that is available to everyone will be ours to own. Now, not everyone has heard the good news, the gospel. When you give the good news, you have to give the bad news. So you've just had the bad news of the state of our world, the state of our state, uh, California, that's a whole nother matter, but the state of the United States, it, it just doesn't seem to be going well. And so this is why since the beginning of the church, disciples of Jesus have gone out to make other disciples. That's the whole point. We are to replicate. I used to be told at uh, Calvary Chapel San Diego when I attended there with Mike McIntosh that... Healthy sheep replicate. They make other sheep is what they do. Just like healthy couples have kids. You know, they produce the kids, and and those kids produce more kids, and that's what we're supposed to do. We've been given the Great Commission to carry the gospel and make disciples. And so since the inception of the church, this has been the case. Now, not everybody is called to do that. Some people are called to support those who go out while others are called to go out. Even right now, 
Uh, Pastor Drew from Calvary Chapel Alpine, he is in Uganda, and he's teaching a group of pastors over there. They have built a a pastor's training center, and they go out all through Uganda, and sometimes these guys come from eight hours away. And they don't really have transportation. Sometimes they have a bike. Sometimes they have uh, a fare for a taxi, but they all come from far and wide uh, to learn what it is to be not only a Christian, but a Christian minister. We have often, and for the, since the inception of the church, we have taken care of different ministries and different missions which have taken place. Like, for instance, we support the Lakeside Help Center, which we know our own Nancy works at over there. Uh, there is a gentleman by the name of Basilio Nunez. I think he has four to six boys. I forget how many boys he has. But he's down in Mexico. We've been helping him for decades. There's Kent and Sherry Pixley. We've been helping them in Croatia. There is the Cambodia Orphanage. Uh, We visited there and we saw uh, Catherine who is there and all the kids running around. It's like a three-story building and they're all inside there. Uh, There's a Cambodia girls' home. They take the girls, the young girls, out of the sex trafficking trade and they put them into a home. And so we're helping them. And of course, as I just mentioned, the word to the world with Drew McIntyre And we have also participated in several disaster relief efforts going to Bay St. Louis and Mississippi, Tom's River in New Jersey, Houston, Texas, and Baton Rouge, Louisiana because of hurricanes like Katrina and Sandy. And so that is how we reach out to the community which is around us and even far beyond. And God tells us to do that. Now today... We have a couple of these ministry uh, ministries, missionaries with us, and they are from all the way in Croatia. Could you post that, Daryl, please, uh, the picture? Now, where is Croatia? Croatia is east of Italy, if you see it there. And, of course, it used to be, uh, or it is, Slo- uh, Slovenia, Croatia, Bosnia, Herzegovina, Montenegro, Serbia, Macedonia. And by the way, Macedonia is the area where the New Testament churches were, Philippi, Berea, Thessalonica. And so that's the part of the world that they are in. They sent missionaries out from those churches, and we have missionaries going back just north of there, spreading the gospel. Now, in uh, Bosnia, or excuse me, Croatia there, uh, most of the population is Catholic, and there are Eastern Orthodox too, is that correct? No? Why don't you guys come on up? I'm going to interview them so you get to see who our missionaries are, and I'm going to talk a little bit about them in a good way. So come on up, you guys. Take a seat. And each one of you have a mic. How you doing, brother? He's so tall, isn't he? (laughs) How are you? Now, we haven't seen each other in what? A couple years, I think. couple. Or five or six. It's been a long time. Now, Kent here, we went to cemetery, I mean seminary, together. (laughs) And we were there, I don't know, how many years were you there? Three? A couple years. A couple years? Three years, yeah. And during that time, he was going through back surgery, and he would come to class, and he would have this contraption go around his knees to where he could sit up straight. And, and I was also having back problems, and I'd lay on the floor uh, during the, uh, the sessions that we'd have with the different teachers. And it was quite an experience uh, to go through that, and that's how we met. 
Now, he comes from the Wesleyan tradition, which is Skyline Wesleyan. And I don't hold that against them, but the seminary we went to was a Wesleyan seminary. And so uh, we learned the, the same things over there. And he, you took a trip to Croatia, missionaries trip, right? Yep. And he fell in love with the place and he came home and said, we're going. And that was it. Now, I have some questions for you guys as we get through uh, some of these here. I described how we met. Now, tell us where you have ministered in Croatia. And tell us a little bit about Croatia. So, (laughs) Split, if you can see it up on the map, is the second largest city in Croatia. And that's where we started. He mentioned that uh, Catholicism is very popular there, but I would say religion in our part of the world is no more significant in a person's life than in here belonging to a political party is. In other words, they don't see it as a transforming, you know, having a relationship with Christ. It's just something that they give their allegiance to or they were born into because our family is of this religion. But really, all these countries he just mentioned, they all came out of Yugoslavia, which is, they lived under 50 years of communism. So that they, was Tito, right? That was Tito, yeah. So they just came out of communism when we first landed there in Split. So we've been in Split. Uh, we've sent off people into Bosnia. We've sent off people off to the islands. Uh, we sent people to the south. And then Sherry and I now are just north of Split in the town of Trogir. It's a city that dates back 300 years before Christ. It was an old Greek town back in the day. Now, have you picked up Greek as well? No. <laughs> okay. Now, when we were he... supposed to learn that together back when we were in seminary. Yeah, that's right. We were <laughs> failed on that one. Now, it, when it comes to uh, them going over, now I remember part of the process, he didn't speak the language at all. And they went over there and they had to learn the language and they took a son and a daughter with them. And so once they arrived over there, you had, what, what is the official language? Croatian? Croatian. And he knows it fluently. Like, for instance, uh, John 3.16. Bog je tako ljubio svijet, da je dao svoga jedin rođenog sina, da nijedan koji njega vjeruje, ne pogine, nego da ima život vječni. Now, wouldn't you like... Yeah, it's great. And Sherry knows it just as well. Now, talk about... Sherry, I have a question for you. Tell us about... Uh, yourselves, your relationship going over there, and kids and grandkids, and how old were your children when you decided to make the trek? So Chelsea was three and a half, three and, and a Spencer half. was 13 months. Who wants to sign up? <laughs> you know? We didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. Yeah, so when you went over there, what were some of the trials that you went through? Well, I think as a nurse, the most terrifying thing for me was the medical situation like and it was bad you know um we have one hospital really serving about a million people and um so like if you're having a baby you would go to the pharmacy and get your own pitocin to bring in i mean it was because they'd been hit by a war so they all their supplies were depleted and um so that was my biggest uh, thing I had to conquer was that, and um, sure enough, a month after we got there, Spencer got croup really bad, and um, 
I'm, I'm gonna, we're going to paint a really dark picture for you because it's like so different now. But we were we had electricity reductions during that time, so we had electricity six hours a day. So if your baby has croup, you need to put him in a steamy shower, and we didn't have we didn't have steam. We didn't have a vaporizer. We just hung wet towels, and finally this kid was like, sounded like he was breathing through a thin cocktail straw. And so I brought him into the emergency room and couldn't speak a word. This doctor didn't speak any English and just scary things, but the kid's still alive, so. <laughs> and it's just fine to this day. Isn't it? <laughs> now, now talk about them. They're married, yes, mm-hmm. and they've moved away. Yep. So they, um, um, we we homeschooled. We create. We did Croatian school, and then um, when they got into high school, they fired me as their teacher, and um, we reluctantly sent them to boarding school in Germany. And that's where Spencer met his now wife. Her parents were working there. And so that's how he ended up in Indiana, poor thing, and um, thriving well. And they have two cute little boys. And then our daughter, Chelsea, is she and her husband are both teaching at Trinity Presbyterian in junior high. Over here? Yeah. Oh, so you are the foreigners now. You're, you're yep. away. Oh, well, that's interesting. We have two grandkids, sons. I said, Indian. yeah. You did that. Okay. Well, I got six, so you better oh. tell them. Oh, okay. I'm going to have six total. Five right now, one in the way. You know, so that, that's all good. Now, I want you to describe to me the area. Now, he windsurfs on his, your spare time when you have some time, right? You go out there and in the waves. And the water's beautiful. What, yes. What's the weather like there? Well, it is much different than California most of the year, and the winters are more uh, uh, fierce, I would say, strong, cold winds, freezing temperatures, but otherwise it's similar to California coast. I've seen pictures of the water over there. It's gorgeous. Makes me want to go scuba diving over there. It just looks beautiful. Now, also, some of the greatest challenges and rewards in moving to the foreign country and starting a church. Talk about, Kent, starting the church, and you as well, Sherry. What challenges did you run across? Were, was there a lot of opposition? Was there no opposition? That type of thing. Well, uh, we've been through three generations of church plants. While we've been, you've been with us through three generations of church plants, because you sent us when we were these naive young couple with little kids way back in the day. Um, and every church plant has taken longer and been more challenging. Now we're in a smaller town. Split was a big city. Now we're in a smaller town, so it functions like a village. So a lot of people who are curious spiritually won't come to a service like this because they're afraid that some one of the neighbors will see them and then they'll call them out, you know, because anything that's not Catholic is like a, considered a cult in our, in our world. And, uh, and, yeah, that's just taboo. But this, this last season has been the most challenging but the most rewarding. The gal, it took a while for us to build trust in the community. We did it through English clubs and, and camps and things, ministering to families and their needs. And we finally found a teacher who was willing to host a Bible study in her home. And uh, just from that Bible study, it slowly grew 
and grew until this last, uh, just over a year ago, we had 25 people that said we wanted this thing to become a church when they were the first 25 members of our church. And we chose a board. They chose me as a pastor, at least for the time being, and until they don't need me anymore. And, uh, but we got to baptize that gal, that teacher, Natasha, in November. Oh, it took a while. Sherry can explain why it took so long. But, um, but uh, and it's just, we just love the people, the, the lives that have been transformed. We worked a lot with drug addicts and the challenges that they face. And, um, but with every life that's transformed, it's just incredibly rewarding. Sure. Yeah, with Natasha, um, I met her about 10 years ago in an exercise class, and it's just taken a long time. But um, as I shared the gospel with her, um, she said she wasn't quite ready yet. And then about a month later, she said that she was. But every time we would talk about baptism, she's like, no, not yet, not yet. And she never told me why. And... Um, I just figured it was because she didn't want to, um, she wasn't quite ready to draw the line. You know, she's married to an atheist. Her family are all agnostic atheists, and all of her friends are atheists. So um, that would really draw the line in the sand for her, in her mind. And um, finally, um, last fall, she, as she was starting to um, ask people their stories, she realized that she had been expecting herself to have have it all together, like have all the answers and, and just be doing it all right. And then she realized that nobody does. We're all pretty messed up. And so she finally um, decided, and I said, um, I don't want to scare you, but I do want to warn you that when you get baptized, Satan is really going to be angry because you've you've really aligned yourself with Jesus Christ. That's kind of your your defining public step, I guess you would say. And um, you're going to get some opposition. And she said, you're scaring me. And I said, well, I'm not, I don't want to scare you. I just want you to be aware. So then a few days later, she said, I'm really glad you, you told me that because I, I would have been blindsided because it's true. You really... I mean, we've watched, and you probably have too, you see people get all excited about Christ and get baptized, and then, boom, they just, you think, what happened to them, you know? And it's like they're not, they're not ready for that. And so um, she said she wanted to get baptized in November, and we thought, I mean, it's going to be cold. And God gave us a 70-degree day weather, and it was a gorgeous day, and her husband even came. Uh, the husband that's the atheist. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, it's, it's amazing to me. The book of Acts talks about how we are all born for a particular time and place that God determines that before time even began so that we have the most opportune time to be saved. So it was no mistake that I got saved, went to seminary, met uh, Kent and Sherry, that they ended up becoming missionaries, going all the way over to Croatia because God wanted that one woman who was an atheist. And she got saved. That's how God works. God puts different people in your path so that you might have the chance to accept or deny Christ. And we have that chance up until the time that we die. And so that, that's great news. Now, 
Was there anything that happened over these last, it's almost 28 years or so, that you felt you were in danger over there? That you really felt like, this is not good. Was there any time like that? Yeah. <laughs> Lots of times. Well, name, name a couple of those. Just in case anybody wants to go on a missionary well, adventure. That's, that's I when, we, when we first, I mean, it seems like a long time ago now, but when we were first there, a third of Croatia was occupied still by the Serbs. There were still war going on. There were a lot of people who had returned from the war, and they still had uh, weapons in their homes. And I brought our kids to a, a youth Not camp. Not our kids. No, our, our kids, brand-new believers from our, the first church that we planted there, is our, from our youth group. To, for a, lot of, a youth retreat, and the first day we were up there, this guy was from the house down below us was telling us to go home because he knew that we were, you know, evangelical believers or whatever. And um, I didn't just didn't respond to him. And then he came up with a gun, and I met him in the road, and he's pointing the gun at my head, and he's like, "You, you guys, you know, need need to leave." And I told uh, our youth, it's okay, everybody just go down to the beach. He says, I'll come down there with a bomb, you know, and blow you guys up. So that made life interesting. And then our, the landlord of the place we were staying at came, and he kind of put things to peace, and we were able to have our youth retreat. But, uh, yeah, it was a little different than doing youth uh, camp here. <laughs> <laughs> we had a, we, we, um, you got to prayer meeting one night, and these guys were standing in front of the door and said, you're not coming in. And we said, We've, we have a contract. We paid for this stuff. And they said, no, no. So then they came home to our house. It was maybe 20 people. And they were just going to meet in our storage room. And at that moment, our, na- our landlord and his wife came back from Germany. They would just, this was kind of like their summer place. And they came and they said, what is, what's going on here? You know, like, and then the neighbors were saying we had prostitutes living with us, which we did, and, and <laughs> <laughs> one, one, and drug addicts. And, you know, like when people come out of Bible study, they're all, like, token away. And, and so um, it looked bad. And so he said, we like you, but we don't want you to live here anymore. So I was kind of like, you know, Lord, I, I gave up my life here to move here and now I don't even have a home you know like now I got to find some place else to live and that was kind of a big yeah, moment a shock were there any other times like that for you guys you know this I just want to say this last year the kind of challenges we faced are similar to the challenges you faced we decided to become a church we rented a brand new space we bought 40 chairs we put a television screen on the wall and um, and we were starting to have church. There was new people coming. And then uh, the whole thing with COVID was happening in Italy. And all these people were dying. And Croatia panicked. So they put us in a complete lockdown. We weren't allowed to travel more than two hours from two our... Miles. I mean, two hours. Two miles from our home. And, uh, and uh, they shut us down for several months. So we tried to do church via Zoom, which worked for a while until we got Zoom fatigue. And then things opened up again. Um, but we've had yeah, a lot of challenges this year, thanks to that. Well, at least you can look back on them and say, those were in the past and we're here today. So now, is there anything that you guys have really missed from the United States? 
or maybe nothing. Our kids. Your kids. Yeah. Well, that, that would make sense. Yeah. Well, you know, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> Our grandson no, was born in March, and we didn't, you know, we planned to come see him. So we finally did go meet him in November. So that was that was. Wonderful. And the grandkids. How many times have you seen your grandkids? Once, once. I mean, this was. That was the, it. That was just, it. Just and one. then um, the first one, though, I was here. I came to the states when he was born. Um, but yeah, it's when you you know when people say, oh, they see their grandkids every day. We kind of, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that that's a sacrifice for sure. Now, we, don't, if, we don't have Amazon. Dot com, you know, for ordering things and having it arrive in two oh, days. Yeah. <laughs> now, if you guys had a wish list of what you would need or want for your ministry, what would that be? Hmm. Or are you completely willingness, supplied? willingness for people to to want to say yes to Jesus, willingness to to study the Word. Hmm. I love. I think Calvary Chapel has always been known for, for your love for the word and your knowledge of the word. And that's what I want for people. Well, that's good. Now, what, what I'm going to do at this time is I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to place my hand on Kent, and Kent's going to grab his wife's hand. And we're going to pray for them uh, that you're not planning on coming home again anytime soon. You're going back there. You're still doing the church. And they may end up having the rapture take place while they're in Croatia, which means it could be tomorrow or it could be in 10 years. We don't know. But we certainly want to continue to have the Lord's blessing upon what they're doing. It has been all these years. And so we're going to pray for them. Let's pray. Father, I lift up to you first Kent, a brother in the Lord, one who is seeking after your heart. And I pray that you would grant him his desires as far as being able to open up the church, raise up indigenous pastors over there that can take over the ministry, and may he be able to plant multiple more churches, and may he be able to see several other individuals come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And for Sherry, Lord, may you fulfill her heart's desires when she wants to see her grandkids or her children. I pray that you would grant her uh, some leave where she could go do that, as well as Kent. But, Lord, I pray that you would help them to remain as one in this effort. You have called them from this country, a place of comfort, to a place of uncertainty. And they have weathered the storms so well. And I pray that you would strengthen them uh, to be able to encourage the others who take on the ministry. And may this work continue for generation after generation or until you come, Lord, even afterwards, those who have gotten the gospel and have not responded to you. I pray that you would open their hearts. So I thank you for them and their commitment to you, Lord, and may you bless them in their continued efforts in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you guys. If you can go ahead and say it again. Go ahead and say it again. You can say it again. Thank you to this church for so faithfully standing behind us for the past Almost 28 years. Yes, it's a long time. I had hair back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I know.